This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you from the team behind Olive Magazine. My name is Laura Rowe, Olive's editor and your host for this episode, number 176. This week, I'm chatting to digital editor Alex about our Chef Awards. This is the second year we've held the awards and the entries are stronger than ever. We'll be discussing sustainable bakers, small but mighty chefs and street food stars in Leeds and beyond. Hi, I'm Alex and I'm chatting to our editor Laura Rowe about the Chef Awards, the 2019 Chef Awards. So for those that didn't see them last year, Laura, can you tell us what the Chef Awards are? Yes, thank you, Alex. Um, So yeah, it's our second year um, and the idea of them then and now was to create this space where unsung chefs get their time in the sun because there are so many restaurant lists, right, where you'll see the same chefs over and over again, the same restaurants over and over again. And what I wanted to do was to create an awards where you know, where you live locally, there might be some amazing chefs doing some incredible things. But if they haven't got a big PR company with lots of money that tells journalists to go and visit them, Mm. it's harder for them to get their name in papers or magazines or, you know, even a full restaurant sometimes. It's hard, you know. And especially outside of, you know, in the middle of Scotland or somewhere or um, a little tiny village in the Cotswolds maybe. I just wanted a really, a place where we could tell their stories and also talk about things that weren't covered all the time as well. So we'll talk about it a bit later when we talk about the categories. But I, you know, I didn't want to have the best gastro pub or the best French restaurant or the best Italian restaurant. This is all about the individual chefs and their stories. Great. So what were the categories for this year? Remind us all. Yeah. So for me, what I wanted to do with these was to discover the chefs who are talking about kind of the positive impact on the way they on the way we eat, the communities we live in and on the planet. So the categories reflected that. Mm-hmm. So um, we had a few new ones this year, but they were 
pretty much the same. So we had Sustainable Star, which hopefully is fairly self-explanatory, but that's chefs that care about the impact they have on the planet. So um, they probably won't have cling film in their kitchen. They'll probably be using induction hobs. They might grow their own veg, that sort of thing. Um, but they really do take into account the impact they're having. Um, we also had Best Street Food Chef. So they're the ones kind of huddled in the cold at festivals or um, on the markets. And they'll probably have one tiny hob, but be creating amazing food that feed you up at lunchtime. Um, a veggie pioneer, because we're all trying to eat a bit less meat, or hopefully mm -hmm. most of us are. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually a very, very different skill. We've all been brought up to have meat and two veg as kind of standard. And this is about, uh, well, in the UK at least anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so veggie pioneer is about those that are doing really interesting things with veggies. And that doesn't have to be a vegetarian or a vegan chef. It's mm. just ones that are doing interesting things to make vegetables more interesting and accessible um we have the innovator which sounds like a bit of a wishy-washy one but mm. it's really about um chefs that are doing stuff that's kind of uncategorizable you can't even say it but you know it's like really interesting stuff really groundbreaking techniques really groundbreaking fusions of uh, cuisines um just stuff that's really surprising and makes you go wow and it's probably chefs that are making the whole the whole restaurant experience a bit more of an experience rather than kind of just sitting and grabbing a meal uh, what else do we have? Small But Mighty. So this is wow. for, yeah, which is our motto on Olive anyway. So it always feels, I really like this category, but um, it's about chefs that kind of, um, I always say, write, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. So they'll be, you know, washing up. They might be writing the menus. They'll be doing the emails. Um, they might be serving you your dinner as well. They kind of really live, eat and breathe their restaurant. Um what else do we have? Community champion. This one's really, I'm really proud that we've got this one actually because not many, um, not many people talk about this at all, but no. there are loads of restaurants and loads of chefs who go above and beyond and give back to their community. Um, so like last year, the winner of that category, for example, was, um, and these sorts of people don't ever get recognised. Uh, certainly in our, our food media world, we had a, a chef um, called Tony from Can Cook in Liverpool and he was, you know, a, a top professional fine dining restaurant chef and then now he cooks hundreds and hundreds of free meals for children and teaches them how to cook and eat better wow. and like that's an amazing thing and yeah. that should be spoken about so Definitely. I really love that category and we had some amazing entries this year we also have best pastry chef because they're the ones that work the longest and the latest and they never get <laughs> recognized <the> <laughs> yeah because they're it's always the head chef that gets the the um, accolades and the pastry chef does some amazing work. And actually, it's a really tough gig, right? If you've had <sighs> amazing food the whole way through the meal to sustain it right to the end and create an amazing dessert is actually really hard. Mm. So they need a big shout out. And then we've got Best Baker because that's a totally different skill altogether. They're the ones getting up, you know, while we're asleep. They're mm. the ones kneading the bread, tending to their sourdough starters and, you know, feeding us when we get up. And that's an amazing thing too. Because they were two separate, the same category last year, weren't they? But there yeah. were so many amazing entries that we split them off. Indeed, that was, yeah, it was really hard to judge when we were putting, you know, somebody doing amazing twills and desserts and fancy things up, up against a bread maker. Yeah. They are very different skill sets. So that was a big learning curve mm. for us. Um, yeah, so there are our categories, Alex. All right. So <laughs> what was the process? So I know it was uh, very logistical, lots of stuff going on and people often down the country. But how did you find the chefs and narrow them down to a shortlist and then the winners? Yeah, so it was the same as last year. And I think it's really important, but it's you, the listeners, the mm -hmm. readers, the customers of Olive that are nominating the chefs. So it's about, you know, 
it's about their local food heroes. So that's really great. So that's a really quick nomination online. Um, so for anyone thinking of doing it next year, please do, because it, it takes 30 seconds. Yeah, thanks to... less than that. Exactly. Um, Alex and her Wizzy team on the digital side uh, did some amazing things there. So you just type in the name of the chef, where they work, and then why you think they deserve an award, really. Um, so super easy. Um, and we had thousands and thousands of nominations mm. again. So that was a slightly tough job to wheel <laughs> yeah. it down. But you know, actually, it was it was relatively easy this year because there were lots of um, nominations for the same chefs which just mm. shows how um, passionate the people around them are and um, how great an impact they're having so that was really cool so yeah we whittled that down to a short list um, for those categories and then um, and then I need some help to <laughs> to find the winners because I can't go and eat all of them myself um, so I need some expert help for that yeah, and who were the judges because there was three others and yourself included obviously. yes so I had myself um, and just this wasn't me trying to eat lots of lovely food, although I do love doing that as well. So just to give a bit of background on my experience, um, I've been reviewing restaurants for more than a decade. Um, so I've done that all over the country and the world. So before being editor of Olive, I used to edit three food magazines in the Southwest in Bath, Bristol, Devon and the Cotswolds. And I edited seven lifestyle magazines as well before that. And I've written for lots of different websites on food. So I've eaten a lot yeah. and I love eating out. So that's kind of my <laughs> my expertise. And then I also had Mark Taylor, who yes. helped us last year. And he should be a familiar name to most of the Olive listeners and readers. He does a lot of our restaurant writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been in the industry for some 20 years. He used to write about kind of rock and roll and music. And now he's <laughs> focusing on food. Um, but he's written for the Sunday Times, The Guardian, The Financial Times, The Good Food Guide, and sort of plenty more besides. And then we had two new judges this year, which I was really, really excited about because they brought lots of different experience to the table. Um, So we had Sam Nair, who's one of the co-founders of um, gourmet Indian restaurant called Jamavar. So there's five, I think, five restaurants, um, Jamavar restaurants in India. And the first one opened in London three years ago. Um, And Sam's family business is kind of luxury hotels and she spends her time between Mumbai and London. So she had this kind of real business side of Mm. experience, which was really helpful. Um, And she kind of, if we got too excited in the judging room, she'd be like, well, I know from, you know, from the business side and that's how they do this and that's how they do that. So that was really helpful. And she kind of brought us down a lot, um, brought us down to reality and yeah. not got too carried away with the, how delicious the food was tasting. Um, and then we also had the lovely Zoe Ajonya. Um, we featured um, Zoe and Olive before. Um, so hopefully lots of you will know her name and have cooked from her recipe book. Um, her book was called Zoe's Ghana Kitchen. And that's also the name of her street food business, her pop-up restaurant and her catering business. Um, you've tried some of her food before, haven't you, Alice? Yeah, the chef's kitchen is delicious. So, so good. So Zoe's obviously a chef. She's a restaurateur as well. She's a cookery book author. She's um, been awarded loads of um, prizes and done TED Talks. And she was just fantastic. So she, again, brought loads of really great experience to the table. Um and so, yeah, they were our judges this year. And then what about the chefs? So tell us about some of the people you visited on your yeah. travels, because I know you were up and down the country. We were. It's a hectic week. <laughs> yeah, we were. Um, so the hardest bit of the awards is always choosing the winners because um, the reason all of the chefs have been shortlisted is because they're so amazing um, and they so, have such inspiring stories to tell. Um, but a few really stood out for me during my travels. So we had uh, Alexis Noble, for example, who was shortlisted in the Small But Mighty category. And so she opened up her 
oh, I can never say this word, Antipodean, so Australian, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Antipodean restaurant in Stoke Newington. Um, and she really is doing everything herself. So aside from creating really lovely food that you want to eat, so that could be um, pasta with andouche and mint leaves and smoked aubergine. It could be a cherry sorbet with a really lovely, like slightly numbing chili oil, like really delicious, delicious food and at an affordable price point. She does everything else. So she, um, when I visited the restaurant she was the only what's the restaurant called oh sorry I should have said that shouldn't I Wanda 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 in Stoke Newington in London so she was the only person in the kitchen it's a really small kitchen and it's open plan so you can see her there she does all of the wine lists herself and when she has her I'm doing this in inverted commas which isn't good for a podcast but inverted (laughs) commas time off like when she goes she'll go and visit vineyards and speak to suppliers and so she never really has time off she's just doing research and background stuff for the restaurant um, she did a list for me of what she does from sort of 7am before she even starts in the kitchen. And that would be banking, reservations, social media, staff, rotors, email marketing, updates, the website, event planning, laundry. And that's all before she even turns on the hob. And I just think wow. how the hell... Laundry alongside menu planning and like... It's crazy, is. right? Yeah. And she used to live in the basement below the restaurant, um, but then she turned that into a private dining room. So now she lives next door. So kind of... She's definitely small but mighty, so she deserves a massive shout out. Um, I also met another two amazing young women in the street food um, chef category. So it was Anna Schindler from Canassa Kitchen in Leeds who was nominated, but she runs a business with her sister, Beth. Um, So Anna had been traveling. She was in the charity and mental health sector, went traveling and ended up kind of, she said stuck in Colombia, but it's because she loved it so much and she didn't leave. Um, And she just became hugely inspired by the food there and the diversity because you've got such an incredible landscape. Have you ever been to Colombia? No. No, I haven't. She made me want to go when yeah, she was talking about it. So, you know, you've got um, uh, Caribbean coastlines, you've got rainforests, you've got mountains, you've got cityscapes, you've got beaches. It's just yeah. all of those sort of feed into these this amazing cuisine. Um, and it's typically quite a meat-focused cuisine, but she's vegetarian herself and she wanted to make a vegetarian, respectful vegetarian version of it. So it's not, you know, authentic, but I think it's very respectful and absolutely delicious. Um, And so, yeah, it's vegetarian, um, lots of vegan offerings, and it's naturally quite gluten-free anyway because of the reliance on corn over there. Where can Um, you find it? Is it Leeds? Yeah, so... um, the business itself has been around for about two years and they were doing kind of pop-ups and markets and in their, you know, trialing it on their friends. And then I think it was about two months ago, they got um, invited to go into Leeds Market. Oh, which, the, that's gorgeous. Like, yeah, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing space. So if anyone hasn't been yet, you should definitely go. Um, and the food's gone down so well there. They get all of their ingredients pretty much from the market. And so there's zero waste because they're cooking and shopping in the same mm. location, you know, and they're really mindful um, which it's difficult to be in an industry where it's kind of takeaway type food, but they've got kind of bamboo plates. They've got incentives if you bring your own um, t- lunchbox or Tupperware and incentives if you bring the the uh, plates back and they'll wash them up and things like that. So, yeah, they, they care about their impact again. And the food was just delicious. You know, it's so full of different textures and flavours. And, um, yeah, I really, really liked it. And they definitely deserve a shout out. Um yeah, some some of the words I wrote down when I was judging was sort of heat, sweet, crunch, freshness. And I think that kind of sums up the sort of food they do. It's really good lunchtime food. Um, and their brunch has gone down really well as well, apparently. Were, were there any was there anyone or any category that you're particularly surprised by? Um 
Do you know what? I was really surprised by Sustainable Star this year, actually. And that kind of fed through across all of the categories because we we had this standalone one to kind of shout about those that are doing things above and beyond. Um, but lots of different people were doing it. Um, and I've seen such a progression this year as well in commitment from chefs. You know, it's not a trend. They This mm. is a climate crisis. And yeah. um, people are now actually genuinely paying attention in it. It's a tricky one because, again, when the hospitality business, this is all about bringing joy to people through food, but these chefs are caring about the impact they have while they do that um, and showing that you don't have to be wasteful or not mindful of the the environment. Um, and they're taking it really, really seriously. So you've got incredible fine dining chefs who we shortlisted like Tommy Banks in York. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a big superstar. So, yes. but he really cares and it's amazing. So he's got a whole shipping container filled with preserved food because he doesn't want to waste a single thing. And he now even sells that at farmer's market. And when I was chatting to him, he was like, I don't make any money on that, but you know, I don't want to waste any of the food. Mm, And that's incredible. Yeah, that's really good. Um, And then you've got people like Adam Handling, um, who's got several restaurants in London. um, And he's actually, since being shortlisted, has announced a new restaurant called Ugly Butterfly. Oh yeah, Um, so is that since... That's since we shortlisted him. That's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it, yeah. Um, and which is being billed as a sustainable casual restaurant and that's in Chelsea in London and he's hoping to make zero waste luxurious so on the the menu will be things like chicken feet and champagne oh wow so yeah there you go Um, and then even in our other categories so we had like best baker you had Kimberly Bell from Small Bakery and honestly she blew my mind so for the past five and a half years she's been growing and learning as a baker because she wasn't in baking at all at that point. Um, And she's kind of amassed this incredible amount of knowledge. And her mission is, she calls it an exercise in food sovereignty. So she only uses things like heritage grains. Um, She's rejecting commodified versions of ingredients. So she's looking to, um, she's looking how to achieve rices and cakes without bicarbon baking powder. She's um, making her own molasses from fruit so she doesn't have to use sugar. And like, that's a lot of effort yeah, to make for bread, and, for bread yeah. and cakes and pastries. And actually, most people, sadly, probably wouldn't care if you use sugar or baking powder, but she's making an effort mm-hmm. to do something incredible that still tastes delicious. Yeah. And so I've got so much admiration and respect for her. Um, so yeah, they're just some oh, of the amazing yeah. people I met. And I'm so excited for when the results come out because we've got even more stories to share. And um, all of the people we shortlisted will be featuring on the website and in the magazine throughout the next year so just keep an eye out for those stories yeah will do great well thanks a lot and I'm looking forward to because I actually don't know the results yet <laughs> no. so I'm looking forward to closely kept secret to so you. the results will be out on the Chris, in the Christmas issue which is out on the 15th of November and lucky subscribers will get their issue early and then we'll eventually after the issue's out release all of the results online too so yes yeah, thank you Alex thank you so that was the olive magazine podcast if you like this episode please review and rate us we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more about what we've spoken about this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com and search for olive chef awards you can also pick up a copy of the magazine on newsstand now or go and download the app version bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat